This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Okay, welcome back. Mike Smith in for Simi Sarah today. Let's take a look at the uh, numbers just out from Statistics Canada on legal marijuana sales across the country. British Columbia, way behind here. This is kind of surprising. This is the land of BC Bud, right? We're supposed to be like ground zero for marijuana. But take a look at these numbers in the approximately nine months since cannabis has been illegal across Canada, British Columbia, in legal marijuana sales, $19.5 million. That's it. Less than $20 million, which is nothing. You compare that to other provinces. Right next door in Alberta, where they have a less population than us, $123 million. Ontario, and by the way, Ontario has done a terrible job of rolling out. They got very, very few uh, stores opened up. 121 million. Quebec, 119 million. The only province in Canada that has sold less legal weed than BC is Prince Edward Island, the smallest province in the country. Teeny tiny little PEI. 10.7 million still. It's <laughs> pretty, you know, they're punching above their weight there. What is up with that? Why is the province. That's legendary for BC Bud at the bottom of the ladder here when it comes to legal sales. Let's check in with Kirk Tusaw. He's a lawyer with the Tusaw Law Corporation, specializes in cannabis issues. Kirk, thanks for coming on. Hey, Mike, anytime. Appreciate the opportunity. What do these numbers say to you? Well, I mean, I think that they say a couple of things. The first is we don't have enough stores here in British Columbia. I mean, I, I think that's a big problem. Uh, last count, we were at about 50 stores, whereas you look over at Alberta, they're pushing 300 stores with wow. several hundred more in the pipeline. So that's obviously when you have, you know, very few points of sale for people to go and buy a product. Yes, we have online. People are not uh, really accepting that in the legal industry. But if you don't have a lot of places for people to go buy a cannabis, well, you're not going to sell a lot of cannabis. So okay. that, that to me is the biggest driver. What about the supply? Have there been any kind of supply issues? Well, I mean, I think there's adequate supply on the market. I, I think what you do see, however, is that because we rolled out and have not yet rolled out the other product categories, the drinks, the vape pens, the edibles, the topical products, all of the things that are coming after this October 17 and sort of legalization 2.0, um, here in British Columbia, those products have been available in a very sophisticated way in stores, on the shelves, in the legacy market or the illicit market uh, for a long time. And so, you know, again, when you have stores selling um, a wider variety of products to people that want to buy those products, and those products comprise, you know, anywhere from 20 to 40 percent of the market, um, you're going to have issues. Yeah. What do you call it? The legacy market? What's, legacy, what's, well, it's it, it, that's sort don't, of don't you mean don't you mean the illegal market? Well, it, it's certainly <laughs> illegal, but it, but at the same time, this is the industry, this is the market that sort of laid the foundation for where we are today. And I think okay. you know, simply sort of shrugging it off as the illegal market 
doesn't pay it the kind no, of respect it that, it, that it really deserves. Okay, well, let's you know, let's let's face facts, right? I mean, I think probably it sounds like most people are still buying from the black market or the illegal market or the legacy market, as you call it. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? That's where most people, I guess, are buying their weed, not legal. Absolutely the case, not just in British Columbia, but across the country. And, and I think everybody anticipated that, right? I mean, the transition from where you were getting your cannabis a, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, to where you're going to get it five years from now is going to take a while. And, and you know, nobody thought it was going to be like flipping a switch. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. disappointed as a resident of British Columbia, as somebody who really loves the vibrant industry in this country, that we haven't done more to facilitate uh, people transitioning from that legacy market into the legal market. And the provincial government and municipal governments uh, could could be doing more to help that process, which would then generate, um, you know, more money into the legal economy. What what about the quality of the legal product, like the stuff you can buy in the government store on the government websites or the legally licensed stores? Is is the quality good? I mean, I've heard I've heard some. I've gotten a few emails from people who told me that they bought from the government store and they got like, you know, it was like ditch weed. You know, they didn't like it. They're going back to their dealer. Yeah, I think that there's certainly been bumps in the road of bringing product quality up to the standards that at least connoisseurs or people that are familiar with cannabis uh, in this province have grown accustomed to. Um, We're not there yet, uh, but there is a a lot of very fine product offerings in the legal market. More to come. Uh, Very excited to see what's coming. And, you know, we got to remember there's a couple hundred different producers out there. Um, some of the products aren't even on the shelves in British Columbia uh, because those producers are relatively small and, and can't supply multiple provinces. Okay, I'm speaking to Kirk Tusaw, Tusaw Law Corporation. He's a, he's a lawyer who specializes in the cannabis industry. What about the price of the legal product, uh, Kirk? Is the price too high? Maybe that's the explanation. I think consumers are always going to feel like prices are too high, and, and I do mm-hmm. think they're beginning to trend downward. Um, you know, I've traveled, uh, I've been privileged to travel in a lot of places in the world and bought cannabis in a lot of legal and illegal jurisdictions. I don't think the prices are, are completely out of whack uh, with anywhere else you go to buy cannabis. I, I think they're probably slightly but not massively elevated from the legacy market or dispensaries that were operating, say, two, three years ago. Um, but, you know, part of that is a function of competition. Again, you know, we have a limited number of legal stores. We have a limited number of legal producers. We have not been able to get uh, craft small producers onto the market, and BC could Uh assist that tremendously by allowing farm gate sales like we do at vineyards and breweries where you can sell direct to the public at the the farm where you're Uh growing the cannabis. I mean, I think consumers would would love to have that option. I love going to my local vineyards and my local breweries or cideries, and I'd love to be able to uh, to operate a a local farm here in the Cowichan Valley and have people come in and show them the plants that they're that they're about to sample and try and buy and take wow. away and, and enjoy at home. So, I mean, there are steps that we can take to promote uh, the growth of the legal market and the eventual transition away from the legacy market. Okay, your your point there about the craft cannabis market, like small independent growers, like growing a like a boutique product, that's an interesting one to me because I remember a year ago interviewing mike farnworth the solicitor general 
And that's one of the things he, he, he was real excited about. He was like, you know, this is British Columbia. This is like the land of BC bud. So this is what we want. We have seen explosive growth in like craft beer. It's not been nothing yeah. but a huge success story. We want to replicate that, replicate it with marijuana. We want small, independent uh, growers, not these big, giant corporations. They have their place, too, but small, independent operations. How come that hasn't happened? Well, I think it's there's two primary factors, maybe three. Number one is uh, the province hasn't facilitated it with regulatory change, allowing, for example, sales direct to the public. So in other words, if you're a small grower, you've got to sell to the wholesaler at a discounted price point. Well, the second part of the problem is that it's still very expensive to start a small craft grow in Health Canada at the federal level hasn't facilitated making that much easier. And the third big factor is municipalities. Uh, we have municipalities that are still operating under bylaws that were drawn up during Prohibition. Uh, my own region, the Couch Valley Regional District, has been you know, supposedly studying the issue of retail sales, haven't issued any store licenses in, in almost a year now, haven't changed their bylaw. Still, uh, the growing bylaw references medical cannabis only, not non-medical cannabis. I mean, we're, we're in some ways living in a regulatory past in a lot of jurisdictions across this province. And I think what it's going to take is, you know, municipalities coming together with industry experts, coming together with uh, local community advocates, coming together with the province to say, look, we're losing ground here. This, this yeah. could be a flagship industry for this province, generate jobs, uh, generate uh, economic activity, uh, and, we're, and we're losing ground. I mean, Alberta is probably the cannabis capital of Canada, and when I was a criminal defense lawyer, I used to tell my clients, well, whatever you do, don't go to Alberta uh, because, the, because you're going to get punished so harshly. Wow. Uh, now, now the opposite is true, Mike, and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I think we're losing a big opportunity here, and I, I really wish um, that we would sort of get our act together and start moving in the right direction. Kirk, while I've got you, let me ask you about a story that's uh, leading a lot of newscasts around uh, the country in North America today, and that's this uh, kind of a bombshell report out from the U.S. Surgeon General uh, calling marijuana a dangerous drug that is addictive, uh, warning about teenagers using it, pregnant women using it, the impact on the developing brain, especially in adolescence, uh, the dangers of addiction. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, Mike, you made me sort of look at my watch and check my calendar, make sure we're not living in you know the mid nineteen eighties when Ronald Reagan was president and Nancy Reagan was saying just say no, or or even the twenties and thirties when Reefer Madness was sweeping across the U.S. Well, you don't but you don't believe any of that. Uh, look, like anything, any human activity uh, using cannabis comes with some risks. The reality is those risks are relatively minor. Uh, they are exceedingly less uh, so than alcohol, which we glorify and promote and is part of everyone's social fabric in the United States. And I think there's a lot of hypocrisy out there uh, when the Surgeon General's uh, really just trying to scare people away from cannabis, when in reality, what we should be doing is saying cannabis is a safer choice for recreational uh, activity than alcohol, and, and people should be making the transition as quickly as possible away from alcohol and towards cannabis. Thanks for coming on. It's been my pleasure, Mike. Anytime. Okay. Okay. I appreciate it. That is Kirk Tusaw. He is a lawyer with Tusaw Law Corporation. He specializes in the cannabis industry.